During the pandemic, more than 40 million Americans have relied on additional aid from SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, to pay for groceries. But at the end of this month, those emergency benefits will expire. Here in Illinois, that means roughly 2 million low-income people will lose 95, between 95 and $200 a month to spend on food. And during this time of high inflation on staples like milk and eggs and cereal, many SNAP recipients are worried about the coming change, to say the least. Patricia Fernandez is Associate Manager of Public Benefit Outreach at the Greater Chicago Food Depository and is here to tell us more. Welcome to the show, Patricia. Hi, thank you for having me. Also with us is Kelly O'Connell, who's CEO of Nourishing Hope Pantry in Lakeview. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, thanks for having me as well. Kelly, the, the latest consumer price index report that came out this morning, it shows prices continue to rise So how big of a blow could this change to SNAP benefits be to families? It's a pretty big deal, right? So folks are already struggling to buy groceries at the store with inflation. uh, And we're seeing a big increase come into Nourishing Hope. And with the um, rollback of SNAP, we're anticipating continued increase in the coming weeks and months. Well, earlier this morning, we spoke with Larry Purnell, who's a SNAP recipient and also a volunteer at Marillac St. Vincent Pantry in East Garfield Park. Here's a little bit of what he had to say about the upcoming decrease in benefits. I didn't have enough to begin with, and now they taking that away. You know, they uh, – and I'm starting to understand that the government is, is not intended for you to live. They're just intended for you to exist. So you'll be around to vote next time. He said the government is not intending for you to live. It's intending for you to exist so that you'll be around to vote next time. Are you hearing similar things from folks that you work with, Kelly? You know, it's tough. I think lots of folks rely on government assistance to put food on their table, and uh, among other things. And people are now having to make really tough choices already. And when we roll back the snap cuts, that's going to continue to happen, right? Sometimes they're trying to decide if they can pay heat or put food on their table or buy the medicine that their doctors prescribed or put food on their table. And that's going to continue. Patricia, give us a, a little backstory uh, of the emergency funding that was allocated at the start of the pandemic. How much was it and why was it authorized in the first place? Yeah, so at the beginning of the pandemic, right, through all the crisis was happening, um, this law went into place back in April of 2020 where these benefits were approved um, as an additional benefit the SNAP recipients were going to be receiving, aside from the regular uh, deposits that they were already receiving, um, to help weather, right, the pandemic and uh, avoid food insecurity that they were probably going to be facing. And why is it ending now? Oh, one of the reasons why it's ending now is a result uh, due to the federal policy changes that happened um, towards the end of last year. A bill that included uh, critical investments in child nutrition programs, um, what's it called? At the same time, um, it was um, initiated. Also, this um, emergency allotment was also um, removed from, from the bill. So how many people are you anticipating will be affected by the change? Um, Something that you mentioned in the beginning, right, approximately 2 million um, SNAP recipients might be impacted by the change um, coming at the end of this month. So in March, it's where we're going to see the the spike um, of need. Well, here's another question that I asked SNAP recipient uh, Larry Purnell this morning. How far into a given month 
would you say that those SNAP benefits last for you? Uh, is that a joke? Uh, no, it's a serious I, question. Once I go to the store one time, then it's over with. So how frequently would you say SNAP benefits aren't enough, Kelly, and people still have to go ahead and supplement it by coming to the pantry? Uh, pretty frequently, they're not enough, right? The, already, the monthly allotment doesn't cover, uh, especially in Chicago and Cook County, uh, enough for a family to buy food or individuals to buy food. And now we're anticipating their monthly allotment to decrease between $95 and $250. And so there's going to be a pretty big impact on household budgets when this happens. And let's not forget, you've seen people actually come to the pantry for the very first time when the pandemic started, right, Kelly? Yeah, we're, we saw a huge increase at the beginning, and not just Nourishing Hope, but across the system yeah. to the Greater Chicago Food Depositories Network. Lots of people had to turn to the pantry for the first time. And with inflation, we're seeing that that trend happen again. More and more people are having to turn to a place like Nourishing Hope or somewhere in their neighborhood uh, to make sure that they can put food on the table. And we're anticipating that to continue um, with inflation and now with the SNAP cuts mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and with those folks who just started on the program during the pandemic, the emergency amounts are really all they know, right? Right. It's the norm for them, right? And so now it's going to feel like it's a huge uh, decrease uh, when they start to come in. But that's why, honestly, we're trying to encourage everybody that receives SNAP now to go recertify. It's important to let folks know if you've had a decrease in income, an increase in household expenses, because that will adjust your, could potentially adjust your allocation as well. Patricia, you're a a benefits coordinator and you have a a benefits hotline. What kinds of things do you help people figure out? Correct. Through through our benefits um, outreach team here, we assist a lot of Cook County residents either apply, like you mentioned, for the first time with benefits or assist with questions that they might have. Um, Through these times, right, we are ensuring that our staff fully prepare. We are going to be seeing a large number of calls come in through our call, uh, our hotline, um, but also our, our food pantries. So we are trying to make sure that everybody is aware of the impact that's happening um, and the rush that might be coming starting in March. So just providing the support for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you say that folks can calculate how much their benefit amount will be moving forward? It really varies case by case. Um, so with our coordinators that we have uh, with our hotline, um, people could call us and we could go case by case. It could be whether uh, income maybe went down, right, and um, expenses went up. That might be a way to um, see if there might be eligible for additional um, or a higher benefit amount. Um, so, again, it's just case by case. Mm-hmm. So, if mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to be clear about something too, Patricia. You, you told one of our producers' phones, they aren't ringing off the hook just yet, right? So do you think that maybe many people aren't aware yet that the additional benefits will expire soon? Yeah, that's that's what we are thinking, that many individuals are not aware. So we're leveraging a lot of the partners that we have, our network of 700 partners, um, to help us spread the word, right? Um, many people, this might be a surprise to them. Um, so, again, we're just trying to spread the word as much as we can with the connections that we have and also working closely um, with the Department of Human Services to reach our SNAP recipients and letting them know of the changes coming. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. 
SNAP benefits, the aid that the federal government provides for families to buy food, they're decreasing at the end of the month. Those additional emergency benefits were offered to tens of millions of Americans during the pandemic. So we're discussing what the change will mean for recipients and for food pantries and more with Patricia Fernandez, who's Associate Manager of Public Benefit Outreach at the Greater Chicago Food Depository, and also Kelly O'Connell, who is CEO of Nourishing Hope Pantry. So, Kelly, inflation, as we talked about, as well as the thousands of new asylum seekers who are here in in Chicago, they've pushed more people to your doors, right? So how much of an increase have you seen in the past six months to a year? Talk to us about that. Yeah, uh, you know, just this year, especially around the holidays, we started to see another increase with inflation and holidays. And we've seen about a 35% increase compared to last year. Um, And a lot of those are more families. We're seeing, you know, a huge increase in families with children and uh, new folks to Chicago who are trying to navigate uh, life in a new city. What kind of strain does this put on the pantry? Well, just like many household budgets, inflation is impacting us too. And it's a time when service levels are increasing and our costs to operate are also increasing. And so we definitely are feeling uh, a bit of a pinch in terms of keeping operations going, which we are, but then also, you know, continuing to meet demand. So if anyone's in a position to help, we, you know, welcome, welcome that either from a investment of your uh, dollars or investment of your time come volunteer with us to help meet the increased need. Yeah. As you talk about preparation, I mean, what kind of conversations are you and your team having right now about trying to prepare to meet that higher demand? Yeah. You know, we are focused on making sure we have the pipeline of food. We have a great partner in the Chicago, Greater Chicago Food Depository where we get about half of our food from, but we're also sourcing it from other um, uh, other sources as well, like retailers and wholesalers and uh community food drives that people do. And so we're trying to make sure that we have the inventory ready to meet the need and also recruiting more volunteers so that when people do come uh, and the lines are longer, that we can continue to serve uh, in a you know efficient and quick manner. Patricia, what other alternative programs do people have to apply for uh, when it comes to financial assistance? Yeah, there's uh, multiple different programs in the state of Illinois. Um, Of course, we've been talking about SNAP, um, but also Medicaid. But then there's also other programs such as WIC. Um, A lot of people are under the impression that that uh, program is only for uh, children or infants, correct? But that's for children five and under. Um, there's other other services or resources as well, such as light heat that will help pay for lighting gas. But of course, everything has different requirements. Mm-hmm. So when people call our hotline, we will be able to connect one-on-one with individuals to see uh, which programs they might be potentially eligible for. And all that information, of course, <clears throat> could be found at our website. What does the application process actually look like, though, Patricia? And, and what documents yeah. do people need? Yeah, so the application is an 18-page application. It's just a lot of paperwork, right, that an individual has to uh, fill out. Um, But throughout that process, it's just gathering, um, you know, personal information and then just looking at who is in the household uh, to determine the size of the SNAP household to see um, what, um, how, how much benefits are going to be eligible for. Of course, there's some documentation that needs to be submitted, such as income, um, proof of residency, um, among other things. So through our hotline, we're able to assist and walk everybody through it. Um, the process does take 30 days. Um, so once we help complete the application, it's 
sent to the uh, Department of Human Services, and they're the ones that process it. Mm-hmm. Um, How does the Greater Chicago Food Depository get out into the communities? Yeah, there's different ways that we go uh, go about going out to the communities, either, um, like Kelly mentioned, right, through our partners that we have out in uh, Cook County. Mm-hmm. But we also do have our team going out into the field and providing services on the ground, um, either by answering questions um, or helping individuals apply for the first time or helping them get those documents that you initially mentioned, because it could be hard for individuals who might have um, mobility limitations, right? Right. And so, Kelly, that being said, I mean, we're closing in, as I said, on the last two weeks of, of these additional benefits. What are you keeping your eye on for February 28th and beyond? Yeah, you know, we're making sure two folks that are visiting us can get connected either to one of our case managers or somewhere else so that they can uh, recertify and prepare themselves. And then for us, again, we're just trying to make sure that we have the resources to meet the increased need. Uh, organizations like Nourishing Hope can't do this alone. We need to rely on the federal safety net, uh, and many clients need to rely on the federal safety net to help support. Um, And so we're going to continue to do what we can to make sure people have the food they need to stay nourished. That was Kelly O'Connell, CEO of Nourishing Hope, and Patricia Fernandez, who's Associate Manager of Public Benefit Outreach. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks for spreading the word. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We just talked about the particulars of what will happen when SNAP benefits decrease to pre-pandemic levels at the end of this month. Now let's hear from Christina, an infant daycare teacher and SNAP recipient. We're using her first name at her request. Welcome to the show, Christina. Hi, Christina. Hi, how are you? Doing well. I can hear you. I can hear the daycare behind you there. Uh, yes, thank I'm you so sorry. much. I could not get out. Oh, no, you're totally fine. Thanks for taking the time to, to join us live on the show. Um, so let's dig in here. Over the last year, we have seen prices for, for basic food items like eggs go through the roof, right? Everybody's talking about yes. it. How has that inflation affected you and, and your family and, and what you can buy at the store? So as of right now, um, it really doesn't affect us because they haven't made the reduction in stamps yet. But um, when they do make that reduction, we're going to probably have to start using cash to make some of those um, purchases because milk has gone up, eggs have gone up. Not to mention, if we, if we are spending cash for, you know, food and meals, that would cut into other finances that need to be taken care of. Yeah. So, yeah, cutting into other finances, you know, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, as, as, as exactly. we always say. So you're you're making hard choices as you walk down the aisles and try to do your shopping. Yeah. During the pandemic, the, the monthly allotment for, from SNAP, it increased, right? But then, of course, as we talked about, the prices started to increase, too. So how much money were you receiving before the pandemic and how much do you receive now? Um, before the pandemic... Um, I was getting, well, um, it depends because I was getting uh, 400 at one point and then mine totally uh, jumped up to six and then they reduced it once I redetermined okay. and it's down to like 200 or something now. So it went from four up to 600. Now it's and back now it's down, down to two something. Yeah. And so at the end of this month, it will drop again? Um, well, they at the end of the month, I will go back to um, a little under two or something similar to that. Gotcha. Um, 
Yeah, because with the additional allotment they would give me, that would make me half six. Right. So, and once they cut that, I'll be back at two or a little less than two. And that's a that's a big difference, Christina, going from just two hundred to getting you know six hundred. So, what was having this money to spend on food like in the past several years? Um, in the beginning, I was able to uh, get a lot of a lot of the things that we needed. And some things that we really didn't need, but just to have that option for my children to have, um, for my brother to have, um, it just made it made a big difference. Um, yeah, let's, we didn't let's, have to worry as much. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned your brother. Let's let's talk about him. You're talking about Brandon, who's your older brother, and he's got cognitive uh, disabilities, and you're yeah. his caregiver caregiver at the time. Yeah. So, uh, how have the emergency benefits allowed you to meet Brandon's? dietary needs? Um, because some of the things that we prepare, Brandon doesn't care for. So with Brandon's um, allotment of stamps, he is, you know, able to go and get some of the things that he does want or that he does prefer. But just maybe like a little snack from time to time. So it gives him that independent freedom of getting and being able to obtain the things that he wants as opposed to just being stuck with what's provided. Mm. Yeah, he has particular tastes, right? And so now you, yeah. you won't always be able to get the things that he, he wants. Yes, definitely. So the, the SNAP benefits are, are going back to pre-pandemic levels. Talk more about how that's going to affect the rest of your budget. Once you lose that additional, say, 400 that you had been getting, yeah. Once how, we, how do you juggle things now? Um, you know, honestly, it'll go back to being so go try to buy a little more in bulk. But then when you buy in bulk, sometimes you have to risk the chances of it expiring before you're able to use it. Um, so I would more than likely have to end up spending some some cash for food and other items that we will need throughout the month. And you're paying your, your daughter's tuition, I hear? Yes, my daughter is um, actually graduating this year, and she is enrolling into a high school that has a tuition program. Mm. So um, I'm filling out for every financial aid or loan that I can get, but... With loans, you know, you have to pay those back. So there's finance coming out, tuition is coming out. So yeah. it is definitely going to be a, a, a hurdle to go come over. Are you over trying to, to save, too? Yes, I am. That's like the, I've been saving, but there's so many different things jumping, gas, is, gas prices rising. I mean, you pinch a little bit here, pinch a little bit there, and then your savings is almost gone. So this decision that we're talking about, it was made on the federal level, Christina. So yeah. what do you want elected officials to know about how this is affecting you and, and so many other people? I need them to know that it's definitely real out here and it's hard. And I don't think that they see it because it doesn't really affect them. It affects that working class because I work every day and we're just barely making it. Um, they just need to know that take us into consideration, be a little more lean with the ones that are working that can barely get, get by the rest of made, and now we have to, you know, put the deal for other things, other things. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story. That was Christina, who's an infant daycare teacher and a SNAP recipient. Her last name we are not including at her request. We appreciate your time, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry again for my baby. <laughs> no apology necessary. Take care. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, emergency funds for food aid that millions of Americans relied on during the pandemic to buy groceries is expiring at the end of February. 
Here in Illinois, 2 million people will see their so-called SNAP benefits go back to pre-pandemic levels in, in a couple weeks. So we just spoke with an early childhood educator and SNAP recipient about her brother, Brandon, who is part of a program for adults with cognitive disabilities at Ada S. McKinley Community Services. And Elise McNeil, who leads that program, joins us now in studio. Hi, Elise. Welcome. Hello, Sasha. Hello. How are you? Thank you for having Doing me. Doing well. Thank you so much. I, you've been listening along to all the stories we've heard so far this morning, Elise. Tell us how many other people at Ada S. McKinley you expect will be affected by these changes that SNAP is making. Um, at Ada S. McKinley, um, in reference to our Community Day Services Program, we serve, um, within the organization itself, we serve over 7,000 people on the south and west side of Chicago. And within this um, particular program of the Community Day Services, we serve well over 300 participants within this program. And with those SNAP reductions, we can see that that will impact over 50% of our enrollment within that program. Wow, that's a lot of people. Where, where are we talking about? Where in the city do, do most of your participants live? Majority of our participants live on the south and west side of Chicago. Um, we're talking the Inglewood community. We're talking the Chatham community. Um, those communities that are more so marginalized, mm-hmm. that is more most of our participants um, live and reside. And we heard earlier from pantry workers. We also heard from Christina a moment ago, who's a SNAP recipient, and, and Larry. What are your thoughts in general, Elise, as you hear their stories about stretching that dollar and how much more difficult that's going to become in just two weeks? It's, it's going to be extremely difficult. We see it within our program. Our participants, they come to the program and they bring their lunch on a daily basis, Monday through Friday. Those lunches are provided through those SNAP um, distributions. And if we see that reduction, that means they're going to be coming to the program. They're going to have a lack of nutrient foods that are coming, that they're bringing with their lunches. That means it's going to also take away their ability for choices because they're only going to be able to have what is going to be allowed in the household. So that is where we're going to see an increase in other multitude of areas with the population that we serve as well. Yeah. I mean, it, when you said choices there, it just made me think of these people in the grocery aisles, right? I'm thinking of my own shopping experiences. And when you look at certain products and, you know, they're different brands, right? Different price points. And sometimes that's just not going to be an option for you to, to choose the better quality, right? You'll have to always go with the cheaper just because that's what fits in your budget. And it it struck me when I talked earlier to Larry, who said, he asked me if I was asking him a serious question when I said, you know, how how much, how long does your money last each month? He thought I was kidding because he says one shopping trip. That's it. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, we go into the grocery store, we see a dozen of eggs costing $9. We see a gallon of milk costing well over $6. And if you have a household of four plus people living in that household and in our programs at ADS McKinley, we are working with adults with um, IDD, which is disability, Mm -hmm. intellectual disability. And we know how much an adult will consume when it comes to food. So if we're placing those costs, and there's those, those limited amount of monies, it's going to make the families have to stretch. They're going to have to decide what, if they're either going to buy groceries or either if they're going to be if providing. Keep the lights on. Or keep the lights on. Yeah. And, th- and that's a difficult choice when you're, when you're faced with trying to decide between your most basic needs, which includes food. Absolutely. And as you, you talked about a moment ago, people are bringing their own lunches to your, your program and, and 
tell us more about how you think the decrease in benefits is really going to impact the food that they can bring. It's going to impact um, their cognitive abilities. Mm. Um, It's going to, um, when you are not allowed to have choices, we have seen where it can lead to depression. It can lead to anxiety. It can lead to a host of other behavioral issues when it pertains to your mental abilities. Um, Because what you see is they won't have access to those nutrient foods. Like they won't have access to those fruits and vegetables. Mm. They will have to make choices that they necessarily don't get to make choices, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And are health professionals making that connection? Because I I don't know if the average person is able to tell like, oh, this is why I'm depressed. This is why I'm feeling this way. I I, I don't believe so. I I don't believe that they actually see that or understand that until you can see it firsthand when you have an individual come to you and say, you know, I I wanted to have those fruits in my lunch and I wasn't allowed to because based on, you know, I have people in my household where we had to decide if we were going to either have eggs this week or if we were going to have the eggs this week. So it's, it's, it's just those hard decisions that we shouldn't have to be placing on our communities. Yeah. Remind us of the effects of not having that proper nutrition. It can it can, it, it has shown um, statistics has shown how the impact that it can have on your behavioral health um, when you're faced with making life decisions. Mm-hmm. It, it can lead to depression because you're sitting here trying to decide between what is the most important. Imagine trying to make a decision on what's the most important oh. when it's when it's deciding between impossible food or home or housing or or just your basic needs. That's a hard choice because you're going to find that all are equally important. Yeah, and as we talk about just the the effects of proper nutrition. At the most basic level, as a mom, I'm constantly telling my kids, make sure you have breakfast. Make sure you do this. You'll be tired in class, right? I'm thinking of the fatigue. So I can only imagine the other, you know, mental um, effects uh, of not nourishing your body in the right way. Yes. And absolutely. And then also, too, um, as we're discussing, we're talking about um, individuals to have intellectual disabilities, right? So they also have to go an extra step in trying to process um, where their choices are going to be relinquished through this. So they're going to have to decide between that because they've had these choices and then now they're going to be taken away in a short period of time without any explanation being placed with it. So it, it, it definitely makes it challenging. Yeah. Could this food insecurity, you think, lead to difficulties with participants affording housing or Ab- doctor's visits? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because once again, it's all about trying to figure out what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? Um, do I want to eat? Do I want a home? Or do I want to check my physical health? And it's sometimes it's, it's going to be difficult to make those decisions when you feel that no answer is going to be the right answer. And we're talking about, again, as you've mentioned, people with various disabilities who probably need to go to those doctor's visits, correct? Co- correct, correct. Absolutely. Um, they need to go to those doctor's visits just to pertain to, you know, making sure that their physical health is intact, making sure that um, we are addressing their needs because maybe they have like some communication barriers or things of that nature. So we need to make sure that we have an interdisciplinary team that is focused on what their needs are and that we are best to advocate and serve them as which we do. Yeah. Well, what else are you going to be keeping your eye on here as the needle moves 
closer to February 28th. What we're going to do at Ada S. McKinley is continue to assess the needs of the community, um, continue to um, be a outlet for those resources, um, especially for our uh, communities on the south and west side of Chicago, um, where our participants reside within our organization, and just really um, garner the support of the federal government and things of that nature, just letting them know, like, this is really impacting people's lives. And, you know, it just really needs to be communicated and showcased that, you know, it it may seem small to some, but this is really huge to others. And this can, can impact their everyday, day-to-day life.